Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute. It's the daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Chris Ayers with The People v. Batman v. Superman and DC Legacy Filmcast. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at Chris A. Creative. All right. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks. It's been a while since we last uh, met. <laughs> yeah, it's been about like uh, nine months, I think. Yeah. That's Chris, a baby. Uh, yeah. Huh? Could have made a baby. a baby in that time. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Yeah. That's exactly it. You're working on your second child. <laughs> We're trying. We're getting too distracted by this podcast, oh, but uh, Mark's getting cold feet over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, I don't know how to segue away from that now. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, last time you were our very first um, outside guest when you helped us start uh, Man of Steel Minute off. So, And uh, you've always kind of been uh, there to give us some cool advice and really helped this podcast grow, even if you may not realize it. So <laughs> yeah, here's thank the thing. you for joining us again. I like you guys. I support what you're doing. However, I mostly disagree with what you say. <laughs> so <laughs> that way. Well, that's why we have you on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of it. Um, so yeah, while we're on that subject, tell us, uh, tell us a little about your relationship with Dawn of Justice. Well, I gotta say, leading up to it, I was, I didn't really want to see the movie, although I did go the first day. I wasn't a huge fan of Man of Steel. I thought it was, um, okay up to a point where it kind of goes off the rails at the end. Um, and then I, when I saw this movie, it was, like I had a day off, my, uh, my girlfriend and I were going out of town later that night so i went to it like eight forty-five uh in the morning screening of this movie by myself and it was it was one of the most difficult things i've ever had to sit through honestly um like you're you had joe Dorosky on a few weeks ago and he called it pain mm-hmm. painful and i think that's a really good description but it's a really specific type of pain um <laughs> deep down in my soul man it was this this movie uh, like the DC universe in general, the comics universe is my happy place. And this movie mm-hmm. like came into my happy place and like broke all the windows and took the crap on the carpet and left. That's what it felt like. Well, I hope we uncover more feelings <laughs> like that throughout this week. So that, that oh, was okay. to, to give it credit. That was the theatrical version, which was a complete mess. And I know you guys, yeah. you know, I agree that the, uh, the ultimate cut is way better and it makes a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, so after after that experience, I didn't know what to do with it. Like literally, it felt like I needed some outlet to to talk about how wrong I felt this movie was, and so I started a podcast. Um, and we started right when the movie first came out on on digital video, and was able to watch the the extended cut, and found it a little bit better, honestly. But we did a twenty six mm-hmm. episode series, um, not quite a minute by minute, because that's that's crazy. <laughs> you guys have so much work ahead of you. <laughs> 100, yeah, 180 something episodes but we did it in 26 episodes scene by scene um and you know honestly we had people who came on and really liked it and yeah i think uh for those who might be kind of on the fence and are kind of ready they're probably sharpening their axes at this point getting ready to show up at your front door chris but for those who, who don't know about batman v superman or the people via batman v superman chris's podcast um it's not all negative. I mean, it, there's, I don't know if it was planned by you, but it seems like every other episode or like, it's like a negative guess, but then you have a positive guess and then you have a negative guess again. And like, 
it, it can you kind of feature both sides of it kind of like what we do here and uh i think that's i think it's pretty neat so for those who want to listen to that podcast it's not just negative so and we we able to get some great guests too like we have some comic book creators like brian augustine who you know wrote um gotham by gaslight he came on mm-hmm. to talk about the minutes we're going to talk about here which is um actually my favorite part of the movie which is why i didn't want to come on and be negative all the time i wanted to talk about something that i liked so and and honestly we uncovered a lot of interesting things about the movie watching it like that um there's a lot to appreciate in this movie i'm i'm being serious there's also i think when it's good it's good when i think when it's bad it's very bad so there's it's a mixed bag yeah yeah it's like uh and that i was kind of going to lead into that question it was like uh, if there was a moment of this film that you actually really did enjoy, and it seems like it actually is this set of minutes right here. Yeah, a, a lot like uh, Man of Steel, I like about the first 45 minutes of both of those movies. Then I think it goes, it goes off the rails, but I, up to this point in the movie, I was I was still kind of into it. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get right into it, shall we? Mm-hmm. So today, on Minute 51, we're talking about uh, it starts with Clark introducing himself to Bruce Wayne, and then it ends with Clark telling Bruce that most people don't share Bruce's opinion regarding Superman. Um, and this minute is, I know they're all cut the same length, but <laughs> this minute seems longer than most. And I think it's just because there's a, there's a lot of dialogue in it. There's a lot of information being passed and it's just a really good minute overall. And, um, this is the minute where they meet each other the two titular characters i mean all three are really on scene at one point in in this this, minute yeah even though lex doesn't oh no oh the other one yeah diana Diana walks by in the background which is yeah Mm -hmm. which is nice the first time they're all together Mm -hmm. wearing any color um did anyone want to take a first stab at what's going on in this minute go for it man no can I, can I go can i go back to a previous minute and i haven't heard this one yet because um, you guys haven't published it yet but the minute when bruce wayne arrives um and clark mm-hmm. asks who's that mm-hmm. um that moment bothers me because it undoes a lot of what could make this conversation good because uh, i it's hard for me to believe that clark who is about 34 35 years old at this point and working at the biggest newspaper in the country doesn't know who bruce wayne is and the guy who is pretty famous and lives like just across the water from it yeah you are definitely right and i'm pretty sure when we talked about that minute that i said we have to give criticism where criticism is due because Mm -hmm. even in the film itself when he's at the daily planet there's the 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 hate crime done by wallace keith and as he's being taken away he's saying i work for bruce wayne i work for bruce wayne now if you're you're if you're a reporter who's also superman and your statue is defaced by a guy who says, I work for Bruce Wayne, you would probably do your research in that moment of like sadness, you know? So you would, you should know by now. Well, I figure Bruce Wayne would be as famous as someone like Bill Gates or Mark Cuban or Richard Branson, these sort of really charismatic billionaires. Mm -hmm. I feel like, Mm -hmm. I think not even a newspaper reporter, but a regular person would just kind of know who that is. He's sort of famous. Yeah, unless I don't know. I, I think I think it's I think it's clear that he, sh- he should know who that is. Yeah. Um. But should he know? Th- and I guess that's my question. Somewhere in this minute is like, 
do they know who each other are really right i have that question for next minute the next minute yeah really yeah because it's kind of obvious in the next one is it obvious it's obvious oh it's more so on on does bruce know i mean we i mean and we asked this like last week on the minutes Mm -hmm. as well and i think a couple weeks before that when we saw it on the screen the the superman track Mm -hmm. so i don't know man it's it's kind of confusing, but at the same time, it's something that I'm not upset about. And I'm sure people get upset at the fact that it's like, should they know each other? Shouldn't they know each other? And it's like, oh, obviously there's things, you know, it's the world's greatest detective and then think... Superman. It's like, I, I don't know. I took it for what it is. I, I like that it's just like a, a play on like, <laughs> you I know, don't... like how is, how, is a, how is a pair of glasses and like, you know, a, a mask just going to throw these two characters off and it's just kind of fun yeah and i don't think anyone should ever be mad that like they have to say oh they should know or they shouldn't know yeah like if this you know it's always these stories are always written by different people and if someone decides hey this story they don't know each other and then another person writes a story and they go yeah you know the whole time they they do know who each other are you know that's not for us to say they have to or they don't have to know who each other are i mean it's just that's just up to the storyteller and Agreed. We shouldn't be mad at whoever's doing that. But um, some interesting interesting thing, I don't know, we've been doing this since with Man of Steel, um, and that the minute itself, like the number, mm-hmm. usually represents something that correlates with the importance of the minute itself. And like so in Man of Steel, we had minute number 33 was Clark's first speaking lines of the film, and mm-hmm. in this film, minute 27 was like the introduction of Bruce Wayne in the Batcave and Alfred and everything. So it was like kind of, you know, the number 27 here though, this is minute 51. And I was thinking, you know, what is it like maybe the meeting of the two characters, maybe something happened in 51 of some sorts. Um, and I looked it up and it's really 1941 is when world's finest was coming out. And it was like the first time they were both featured on the same cover and everything. So it doesn't really match up. And then I thought, <laughs> maybe I need to check the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, minute 41 of the theatrical uh, cut is okay. when they meet right here. Fair enough. Uh, all I did was I just scrubbed all the way to minute 41, hit play, and it was this exact minute. So really interesting. Um, and I don't know if it's done on purpose, but every time this seems to happen, I, I tend to think that maybe it's, it, it is. It, obviously it is. <laughs> I don't know. I think you guys are prescribing too much uh, intelligence to Zack Snyder, if this is the case. Oh, <laughs> low blow, oh, it's man. it's not him. It's, uh, he's not <laughs> editing the film. We, I mean, it's probably done, what's his name? Bren, Brenner. Bren? David Brenner. David Brenner. Um, but yeah. So I really like this joke that he says right in the beginning, and it, it kind of goes unnoticed. I, I didn't really notice it until doing this minute, but his Bruce Wayne's kind of like, I'm trying to avoid this situation, or I'm trying to get out of here kind of thing, and he's like, yeah, uh, my foundation has already issued a statement in support of uh, books or something. Books. It's like, yeah. let me get, like, I don't know. I just thought that was really yeah, it's classic. pretty humorous. Yeah, that's, that is classic Bruce Wayne. He's playing dumb, which is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the character of bruce wayne like he's just the billionaire playboy that just shows face and quote unquote drinks you dry that didn't happen yet chris uh are you do you kind of agree like is this meeting of the two characters in this minute like are they to you kind of classic personality of clark kent and bruce wayne meeting um yeah i think so i i I think uh, henry cavill's clark isn't quite the comic book 
but it's it's close enough. I mean, I I like I like the writing in this. I like I like the ambiguity of do they know, do they not know? Um, although it's sort of blown by what I said earlier when Clark doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is. So I thought yeah. that was what kind of I think the scene could be a lot stronger without if you just cut that little tiny part, the ambiguity. I mean, they're kind of saying throughout the whole thing they're kind of saying the truth but not really like it's an oblique truth like everyone's kind of admitting something to to, to each other you know yeah um, it's it's almost like it should be obvious yeah like maybe they want to make it yeah. obvious. yeah 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 I, I think is that what they're trying to do i think the dialogue in this is really i think is really great it's like a wink to the audience and it's like you don't really know what they know it's it's, it's still confusing but but i really like that you like that it it kind of would you say like it's like a layered conversation? Throws you off. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. it's like a fun. It's just like a play on two very well known comic book characters and their you know first meeting. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be like cut and paste like everything else. How how a classic first meeting between you know Batman and Superman should be. It's just yeah. It's like, just have fun with it. And I I like that their meeting not in costume like yeah. not as their true selves yeah kind of well in a, w- in a sense they are in costumes yeah in a sense they are in costumes yeah exactly i don't know but i like i like this setting more than i would i don't know how much i would like it better if they were out in the streets you know how later like, in the film oh, where was, they meet yeah and they're like both like it's right after the batmobile chase if they kind of had a similar conversation because that's happened that happened in a in well, a, like it's like in origins like just like origins and stuff yeah and they, in the movie as well like yeah and kinda, i don't i think some people would have expected that some people would have wanted that that's just but i don't yeah. know if i would have wanted that yeah i mean when you think about two comic book characters meeting it seems like they're going to be meeting in costume as yeah. comic book characters like because of the same crime they like, yeah they meet each other and yeah. they have some sort of it's the same kind of opinions yeah, right in the moment the but. same kind of feeling you get when you're watching these like cw shows when they have crossovers it's like oh i really hope they're going to be in costume together and fighting alongside each other it's like oh don't you want to see barry stumble across uh oliver and be like cool beard man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what about you chris you prefer any sort of way that the character should have met I, I like this. I mean, there's not a prescribed way to do it. I like I like this scene a lot. Um, I also like that Lex kind of set it up. You know, he's we we'll get mm-hmm. to that in the next minute, but he's he's brought them here. It's, this isn't a coincidence. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's there's a whole crazy convoluted plan that Lex Luthor has that's way overcomplicated. But um, I can I can appreciate this part of it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Cool. I'm liking this this positivity you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do we want to talk? Well, yeah, I do. I do want to talk about it. <laughs> Cleon Peterson's painting in the background. Um, you've probably talked about this on the People View Batman v Superman, right, Chris? Well, I didn't know who the artist was, so that's that's good that you dug up that. But yeah, we just noticed oh. that it was. I didn't know if it was an installation that was just happened to be at the art museum, or if they actually put that there on purpose. But it's, it looks like sort of Greek pottery art. Man, everything's on purpose. <laughs> everything what is it you mean i mean like right dead in center i think even at five seconds like you get the picture of the horse too recurring theme yeah so you want to talk about this painting Mark? you want to talk about the horse the symbol of death as yes. we see in this film yeah there are every time a lot of horses up. in this 
A yeah. lot of horses, man. Um, so yeah, this is Cleon Peterson's. I remember when this movie hadn't even come out, and it was the very first trailer, which kind of showed uh, the beginning of this gala with Bruce getting out of the car and everything. And then this moment right here in the film happens in the trailer, and I can't find it now, but there was someone who did a breakdown of the trailer, and the entire time they really just focused on this painting, and it was probably one of the most informative breakdowns I had ever seen because they really didn't talk about anything else in the trailer. They just talked about this painting, and I learned a lot about it, and I wish I could find it again, but um, I've become such a huge fan of, of this guy's series that he's been doing. Now, this one here, it's a it's an 18 panel. It's a massive painting um, done in 18 different parts, and it's completely monochromatic. It's all black and white, and it's called A Balance of Terror, and it's uh, what it portrays is... Um, black figures slaughtering like white figures. Um, at no point is the white figures like harming the black ones, and they seem to just be dealing with the pain, and they're being slaughtered and mutilated and everything. And um, even the 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 blood of the characters is black and everything. And there's other series that he does where it's like um, every series or every piece that he does is similar to this. Um, the colors might change, but it's normally one set of people um, slaughtering another group of people and his paintings have started to take a more modern setting where you, it, they're like actually in cities murdering just civilians and stuff and sometimes it's cops that are the ones slaughtering people um, but his his um, his kind of description of his own painting here a balance of terror he says uh, it depicts a gray world where lawbreakers and law enforcers are one in the same a world where ethics have been abandoned in favor of personal entitlement. Um, <laughs> so what's the reason like that I think that this painting is here in this gala is, and I wrote very abstractly, the hero thinks the other hero represents the black figures. And I mm. think that's the problem in this film. Yeah. Because who is the hero that thinks the other hero represents the black figures? Both of them. But is it just both of them? No. It could be Lex Luthor who yeah. thinks Superman or Batman is the black figures. It could be Wallace Keefe who thinks mm-hmm. Superman represents the black figures. And I think that's the problem is like... Senator Finch. It doesn't matter. Yeah, man. It doesn't matter who you, you think. The idea is, you know, that black figure murdering the other one could be anyone mm-hmm. as long as it's not you. But, you know, who's to say like... It is, you know... It's, it's a very selfish mindset. Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. one of those things. Like, well, you know, you, you tend to... You tend to think everyone else is the bad person because of your own personal entitlement. Thinking, yeah. oh, I'm probably the victim or I need to be the one who stops the black figure or something like that. So, just, just my thoughts on that. <laughs> You're right. What, You're totally right. One of my biggest issues with this film is that everyone is a villain, it seems like. I don't mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's a real hero in here except for maybe Wonder Woman who's sort of outside of it and kind of has to guide them back to the light a little bit but but uh it it's really portrayed as Batman and Superman each see each other as the villain plus you have the villain Lex Luthor setting them against each other. Yeah. I mean I know that's, yeah, that's, I know that's totally right. I know that's what's intended. It's, I just don't like that 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 view of it. Yeah, I <laughs> That's that's good. It's fair. Yeah, I understand fair. why that why pe- why you and as well as other people probably feel that way. But I mean, um, for some reason, I'm I'm drawn to that. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like so different than like you know the Batman and Superman that I've I'm used to 
reading about. And it's just kind of like a fissure in like this whole uh, depiction of the two characters. I don't know. I'm, it's, I'm weird, man. It's a good storytelling element because if you don't be like, hey, there might be, in, if, in a certain point of view, this person could be the bad guy of the story, you know? Or, you know, if you don't depict that, then it could go unnoticed for a long time. And I guess the problem with, like, that they chose to do it in this film might be because this is the very first movie that those two characters are ever going to meet. And, like, this is the groundbreaking story that you're going to run with. Like, Mm -hmm. it could be a little... I guess someone could say it's too much for the, the first time they're meeting. Like, but then again, I guess if you've already been reading Batman and Superman stories, this is a, might be a fresh take on it. I don't know. Maybe it was a fresh take for me. Yeah. I, I just never felt like they had earned this conflict yet because you haven't really even established who the characters are. You didn't, I don't even think we got that far in Superman with Man of Steel. I don't even think he ever really became Superman. Um, you can argue that he does at the end of this when he sacrifices himself to kill doomsday but and then and then your batman has only been on the screen for you know like 40 minutes or so um it just has so much less weight to it rather than like the marvel civil war where it's taken you know years to to get it up to that point i think it's um it's definitely it's just implied at this point like I, i know the whole superman bit um throughout the film they've they've just been mentioning that he's been doing good superhero-ness for mm-hmm. 18 months now and it's like you just kind of have to take the film's word for it like there's no they're not really going to show you do you 18... need a whole movie of him just going around saving people do you need a whole movie of just batman doing batman things like right before we get to this point did, did there need to be the two movies inserted between dawn of justice to solidify the the value of these characters I don't really necessarily think so. I, w- I was disappointed when I found that this was the sequel to Man of Steel, that we weren't going to get a, another Superman before this or another Batman before this, personally. It no, seemed a little rushed. That's fair. It, that's yeah, fair. it did seem a little rushed. Um, um, I did kind of want more time to digest and maybe have something else in between. But then again, it was also when they dropped the title, just Batman vs. Superman just turned me off on it, like really. Because, yeah, I probably was in that boat where I was like, well, what's... What's happening? Why are they fighting already? Like, what's the point? Why do you need to have this title of the movie about them fighting when we just had a Superman film, you know, first contact alien on Earth kind of film? I don't know. So uh, it's, I, I think I'm in the same boat with you, Chris. It's, it's strange to me that basically from the, the first time we see Batman, we're getting a redemption arc out of him. And then the second time we see Superman, he's dying. It's just like it is so <laughs> it's so far down the timeline of where it should be. And part of it is just like the real world concern of having to catch up with Marvel. They're trying to build out yeah. this. I think this movie is tasked with doing way too much. Um, even at three hours, it's still jam packed with a whole bunch of stuff. It could it could very well be the, like a race to try to you know classic space race mentality. <laughs> um, but I st- I still enjoy it. Like I, I don't. It is it is a little jam packed. It sure is. I mean, it's you know it's. Obviously even even with the ex- ultimate podcast. edition, there's there's room to to air out more stuff for a longer version, um, and I do think it's fair that there probably should have been a Superman sequel because, and it's it's not because of just this film, but it's because, it, you know, if you look after if you look before Super uh, Man of Steel, you had three Dark Knight films, and now we're like already going back into the 
the world of Batman. And it's like, if I enjoyed Man of Steel, I would like to see some more Superman before I had to go back in and watch more Batman. I don't know. Like, it just seemed like, oh, Batman's so successful. Like, we should incorporate the character. And it's like, I know you want to do a, a connected universe and everything, but like, can we just take a break from Batman? I don't even care if, uh, instead of Superman, like, did just pushed Wonder Woman before this film and just got Wonder Woman yeah. established, but just give me some time to, to forget about Batman and the or Dark Knight. more time to be in the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To but be I in just, the Man of Steel world. It just, I, I just wanted a break from Batman at the time. All right. And it just was like, That's all right, fair. we got to go back into it. And it's like, damn. You have to all imagine right. that it's really confusing for casual fans who are, who aren't, you know, huge comic book fans, but they just go see the superhero movies. And they don't know mm-hmm. like what Batman this is. Is this a continuation of the the Nolan Batman? A lot of people didn't see Man of Steel. Like you know, they don't know this Superman. So I I, I think I think it's difficult the situation that Warner Brothers and DC found themselves in after the successful Nolan Batman trilogy, and how to build the mm-hmm. universe after that. I think they were they were so far behind Marvel at that point that the, the this catching up has has been really difficult. I mean, still there's it's just a mess. I mean, they've they've managed I mean, I, to put out one good movie in, in Wonder Woman, in my opinion. But I uh, I don't I don't because uh, Avengers had already come out before Man of Steel, so if, in my opinion, I feel like the race was already kind of won by Marvel. If there was, if there is a race, right? Because um, mm-hmm. if, if there is a race, you know, they already got there. Avengers came out, and then Man of Steel came out. Um, so there really isn't, you know, take your time with it if you need to. Um, I understand that Snyder's trying to do a trilogy with Superman as kind of like a, a messianic figure kind of thing, and and that that's how I kind of view it as. Um, and if it really is a race, you wouldn't be pushing Suicide Squad to come out right after this film because if it was a race, you'd be focused on more of like the Justice League storyline so you can get there. Um, but with that being said. Uh, <laughs> take it away, Nate. <laughs> um, um, I was just gonna segue into good old Alexander Luther Jr. poking his little head in there, but that's that was that's the terrible segue, Mark. So thanks for there was a you saw a bus coming and you said I'm gonna push Nate in front of it. Okay, <laughs> well, I think the way we, we started on this with the the painting, um, which you had yeah, a lot of finish. information about, <laughs> but I, I didn't know the, the history of the paintings, and it's that's interesting to see. I mean, I'll I'll give Snyder credit for for like threading this theme all throughout, like deliberately. Um, as the way I read it, without looking at the history of the painting, was it looked like Greek pottery art, and there's a lot of Greek symbolism yeah. in this, and you have you know oh, Wonder Woman walking man. around. Dude, it's like this whole week. There's just so much greek stuff and it's not even the end of it we get it later on yeah it's just i think it's great imagery in my opinion yeah it's just subtle things that you throw in there that's like oh hey this is this is that this is this and that was a horrible description of what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i mean i i get the greek feel in in the painting itself um i'm not sure when the actual painting was done um but there's definitely horses in the painting there's definitely a Greek feel to it with kind of um, what is it called? Like Greco Roman style, like 2d looking um, characters. So I, I feel that yeah, it's um, like storytelling. It's, it's visual storytelling. They would, you know, put these symbols and stories on the pots. It's almost saves yeah. the, the same function as like a comic book sequential art. Yeah. 
And uh, I think another thing that's pretty interesting about this painting is if you look at it from a distance and like first glance kind of feel, you might not even notice that they're people. You might not even notice that they're people slaughtering other people. Mm -hmm. You see kind of, you see more of like a, a Rorschach-ness to yeah. it. Like you just see ink blots, you see geometric shapes, and that might stir the mind right there. But then as you get closer, then you realize, oh, it's people being killed. <laughs> and so that might be, uh, that might also go in hand with the whole like, you don't fully understand something until you take a closer look at it, mm -hmm. which is might be another layer of this painting itself. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, to me, it's a beautiful work of art, and uh, I'm so glad that I, when I saw someone explain it, that that's what they took their time to explain out of everything in the film. Like stuff like that, to me, is more important than you know, like um, a joke that we'll get in tomorrow's minute, where it's like, oh, it's a DC reference. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care much for like trying to connect DC to like Easter eggs and stuff, like. Tell me what the the meaning of you putting anything in your set design yeah. into your character design like if this is meant to like represent the struggle of these characters that's what I want to know more about because that's something that I can take home like after I see the film yeah not just like sure. oh it's a reference to you know Batman forty one or something so I don't know to me that's that's more important but yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything else for minute 51 before we move on to tomorrow's minute? Um, oh my gosh. I completely said that I was reading the end of my notes for minute 52. That was very silly what I was just doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, for some reason I wrote down, um, that what Bruce is describing as, um, you know, an alien, if he wanted to, he could burn the whole place down and we wouldn't be able to do a damn thing to stop him or whatever. That's like the best description of Kal-El, in my opinion. Because it's true. That's just straight up truth right there. Like, he's just one bad day away from just destroying everything. And, you know, you have the argument of saying, like, oh, he's just a good person. Like, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, you could be on that side. But also kind of have a rational mindset of thinking, like, there is the story that exists that he had a bad day and he just destroys the world. So, like, anything's possible, you know? And it's just, I don't know, it was just the perfect description of what Superman can be. And I feel like that is lost on a lot of people that only want to see Superman as the good guy. It's, it's like, a very cynical view of it. I mean, I tend, I pretend, I prefer to take the other view. I mean, I think, yeah. I think the cynical view is the prevailing view, because a lot of this is through Bruce Wayne or Batman's eyes in this film. Mm -hmm. I, I I like the optimistic view of what Superman is, and I think that's another issue with me because this this is just so dark and mean spirited a lot of the time towards Superman. And this is yeah for sure. This is really Superman is in a Batman movie. This is this is not a Superman movie. That the, the entire tone of it is is a Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't even think it's a a comic book character movie. I think it's just a drama, and they just have the comic book characters in it. So. You're right. It is a very cynical mindset, and maybe that's just saying something about me, guys. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna leave. Well, you know, I. What's interesting about what's going on in this minute is, you know, here's a character who's like 
no, don't bother me. I'm trying to get out of here. And it's like, then you got Clark Kent who keeps, you know, trying to pester him, keeps, keeps asking him questions. And, it, you know, it's like this, if you think of Bruce Wayne as kind of like a dog that doesn't want to be bothered, it's like, no, 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 don't bother me. I'm just trying to get out of here. And it's like, all right, if you're bothering me enough, I'm going to bite back. And I'm going to tell you that this alien that you're praising at any point could destroy the world. It's like, all right, now you've bothered me. Now yeah. I'm, now I'm here. Now I'm, I'm in this conversation. Mask off. Yeah. Like <laughs> you've, you've pestered me enough about talking. First of all, you're going to talk badly about me to my face because I'm Batman. So if you're trying to like have an argument, you're going to lose because <laughs> this bothers me every day in real life. So, and I enjoy that. Um, is it a Batman movie? I, I can argue that it's, it's just a Superman movie where everyone is against him and it's not just Batman. I think we, we talked about it. Um, where it's like the three humans in this film, Wallace, Lex, and Bruce Wayne, they each represent man hating God in some way, whether it's for inferiorness or just anger or some sort of depression or like, but they all seem to take an outlet to Superman as being the reason for their discontent. And so it's, it's more than just Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. It's like the other two characters play a, a part in why they feel like Superman. But then you get the other people who are like, Superman is my reason that there's good in this world, mm-hmm. like Lois Lane or, you know, some other people. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's an argument out there for this is a Superman film and everyone's just against him kind of thing. And there's arguments for everything. There's arguments for everything. I feel like if it was a Superman film, there would be some, some scenes that happen in daylight, or at least some action scenes. Which, you know, when you put those two together, you can't put Batman in the daytime because it's just ridiculous. So pretty much everything has, has to happen at night, and that's the reason it doesn't feel like a Superman movie. Are you going to say something, Nate? I mean, there's, like, I'm, that thought of daytime Batman has always, always perplexed me. Because there's instances where it can work, and there's instances where it's just like, that was completely awful why is Batman in the middle of the day? And it's just like sometimes, I don't know what it is. Take, for example, if we're going on the movie base, uh, Dark Knight Rises, very end of the movie with the whole Bane fight. It's in the middle of the day, in the middle of Gotham City Street. And it's like, you can have the argument where it's like, oh, well, Batman was so, you know, diluted to the fact that he could just be walking in the middle of the streets and people would be like, oh, yeah, there's that guy that used to protect the city, but now he's trying to have like this whole redemption story, yada, yada, yada. But for some reason... It didn't work for me. Um, and then I'm trying to f- figure out one where it does, uh, a, a story where it does work. Um, Snyder and Capullo Zero Year. I really liked that story when Batman was going around in the middle of the day, avoiding Riddler and all these things. And it was, it just worked because it had the same element where Batman was gone and everybody was, you know, kind of over the fact that he existed. And then he just appears and in the middle of the day and people just don't think twice about it it's like oh yeah he's a savior he's here to help us i don't know are we saying that superman but superman can work at nighttime right like that's not absolutely it can but i think in in this case pretty much every scene of superman is at night even the scene where he's rescuing the people from the fire you know right for this it's like it's it's all dark it's everything is there's hardly as a bright sunshine in this movie even when it's daylight it's just the tone as well yeah yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's the tone of the movie itself, too. So I understand that it's very depressing for 
the symbol of hope to never have scenes where it's hopeful. Right. Which could be, yeah, which I guess like could be the point, but yeah, then, I think so. I think there's be a reason behind the it. Point. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll end it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have questions about minute 51, we'd love to hear about it. Please, uh, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and let us know what you think about the uh, first meeting of the two characters and how you feel about the film. Um, also, if you leave us a five-star review, it helps other people find out about our show and it really helps us out on the podcast. We love reading those reviews out on the show. Um, so, yeah, you can find our shows on toolmedia.com as well. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.